Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Empire. The proliferation of the NFT through the lens of an early adopter. You know, my interest, uh, you know, lies in the intersection of, uh, you know, athletes to athlete communities mm-hmm. and the fun of, uh, you know, of a fan, uh, you know, being a collector and engaging with your favorite teams or athletes. That's Guggen Palrecha, CEO of NFT Star, where we'll discuss his initiatives in the uber fast-moving sector of collectibles and utility. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Guggen Palrecha was a former vice president at Dapper Labs, which hit the NBA top shot, the first true mainstream hit in the NFT sports collectible marketplace. This conversation runs the gamut of where things were, where they're going, and what's next. Our guest this week is Guggen Palrecha, who is the CEO of NFT Star, as we will look into the future of the NFT marketplace and look back at some of his building blocks as the former vice president at Dapper Labs. Hey, Guggen, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. How are you? Give me your background on NFTs in general. When did it start for you? When did you kind of get into this space? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, my background, you know, generally spans, uh, you know, uh, 20 years uh, within technology. And it's always been sort of in, um, you know, forward looking technology. And so a lot of my personal interests, um, you know, around, um, you know, around art and technology and collecting, you know, that started very early in my career um, and very early in my life, going back to, you know, music and concerts and, and uh, 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 games and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I got into NFTs roughly in 2017 um, when CryptoKitties uh, sort of, you know, came to prominence uh, and I've been sort of, uh, you know, following personally ever since. And then back in 2020 and 2021 is sort of when I decided to jump in professionally. Were you surprised at all about CryptoKitties and those kind of early entrants into the marketplace and how popular they became? I think NFTs in general, the use cases uh, that we've that that have come to prominence um, have been really telling and really interesting, right? A lot of people in crypto kind of have been looking, and myself included, have been looking for sort of serious implementations of blockchain over the years. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that collectibles kind of became the thing that, um, you know, got people interested and excited, I think it's very logical, right? It takes an experience um, that we all have in the real world um, and it applies it to, uh, you know, new technology that creates ownership in the digital world. So, you know, 
it, it doesn't surprise me necessarily. Um, I think it, it, it's more of like, it, it's more, it was more a question of like when people will sort of discover this idea of digital ownership and assigning value in the digital world. And it's just that collectibles is where it kind of fit. You kind of felt all along something is going to matter here. Is that kind of the best way to put it? Yeah. I mean, I think digital ownership and creating value sort of in the digital world to me is, has always been something, you know, that, that, um, that resonated from the perspective of NFTs, you know, I think with anything in life and particularly in blockchain and crypto, um, you know, the more you can mirror experiences that people already have, yeah. I think the, the the more logical, you know, people are good, people are going to look at it very logically, and they're going to make decisions on on their interests from there. And you know, baseball cards, for example, really exciting and important part of our history and culture, and it makes logical sense here in NFTs. Yeah, um, when you say you kind of started at a young age collecting, and you mentioned genres like music and gaming and something like that. What do you mean by that? You were just interacting with it or you were kind of digitally collecting at a young age? Yeah. So sorry, when I say collecting, I kind of look at my journey of NFTs to predate NFTs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I was, you know, in the eighties and nineties collecting, you know, baseball cards and basketball cards. And, you know, when I go to concerts, I collect the tickets yeah, me too. You know, for all the shows. <laughs> yeah. The, all the shows that I've, that I've ever been to and, and, you know, similarly, like, you know, when I used to go see the Pistons at the Palace, you know, and, and my championship T-shirts and all that kind of stuff, I, you know, I still have all that stuff. And I'm sort of a collector by nature, um, you know, in terms of memorabilia. So for me, that sort of predates the NFT stuff. But I think that's an important bridge uh, and an important thing for, for um, you know, for my journey in terms of, um, you know, bridging sort of the old school world with the new school world. Okay. Um, we'll get into NFT star in a moment, but I do want to touch on your background with, with Dapper Labs. Can you take me a little bit through, and, and for those who don't know, everybody knows, but for those who don't know, their popularity really boomed with NBA Top Shot. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what your experience was like there and what you learned as you move forward? Sure. So, you know, like I said earlier, my, my background spans, you know, a wide variety of technology over the last, you know, two decades. And um, prior to NFT Star, you know, I was a VP of operations, um, you know, within, within Dapper. And Dapper is well known for the Flow blockchain um, for NBA Top Shot uh, and a number of other NFT products. And I think, you know, in many ways, uh, NBA Top Shot paved the way much more so than, than CryptoKitties um, prior um, paved the way for uh, bringing NFTs to the mainstream. And so, you know, my interest, uh, you know, lies in the intersection of, uh, you know, athletes, the athlete communities, mm -hmm. and the fun of, uh, you know, of a fan, uh, you know, being a collector and engaging with your favorite teams or athletes, right? And, and so one of the things that I learned along the way was that, you know, working with leagues and teams uh, was an important sort of step in the progression of NFTs and of collectibles, because basically you have instant access to, you know, gameplay, you know, essentially everything you need to sort of put out, you know, trading cards. But as a 
fan, one of the things that I've learned is that like, I want more. And one of the things that I love about, you know, 30 for 30, for example, is, you know, on ESPN is that I get more, right? I get to understand and learn the stories of my favorite teams, of my favorite athletes. And so, you know, the question is really, the question I ask myself is how do we do that in NFTs? How do we give the athlete the ability to sort of create and own their own community to mobilize their community or their tribe in kind of the ways that are important to them? And then how do we get, you know, fans connected to those athletes to be able to, you know, you know, create experiences, you know, like we often say experiences that money can't buy, but how do you create these experiences that are really unique that they can have with athletes uh, that they love? And they can love those athletes both, you know, from a gameplay perspective, from their history, you know, on and off the field, um, you know, maybe with their charitable endeavors. And I think there's a whole sort of ecosystem around what the relationship between the athletes and, and, and the fans, you know, really, really can be. Um, and so, you know, I think like the progression for me is one of the big things that I learned, which is, you know, we, we created something that really resonated, you know, with, with a lot of people out there you know, how do we expand it into something that's more meaningful? Okay. Um, a number of the people that we've talked to in this space, in this kind of second version of this, if you will, is that they seem to be focused on, there needs to be some kind of utility attached to the NFT itself. Do you agree with that? Because what, what you're talking about is kind of having the proximity and the experience Others are saying there needs to be utility attached. Do you, do you kind of agree with all of that as things move forward here? You know, my feeling is that you, utility is part of is part of experience, right? So utility u- utility can mean a lot of things. So I definitely agree that sort of access or utility is really important from an NFT perspective because you know what are what are you like what are you trying to represent, right? There's a piece of artwork that. Um, you know, you can say this is a piece of artwork and you're collecting art, right? But the reality is, is like, you know, in the long run, I don't think people are going to want to be collecting art from celebrities or athletes. What I think they're going to want to do is they're going to want to have experiences tied to their relationship with, with the athlete. And you do that with, you know, call it utility or call it, you know, call it whatever you want. But you know, one of the things, you know, at NFT Star that's really important for us is saying, okay, well, if you're part of this community, let's kind of look at it from the perspective of like, you know, how do we mobilize the community to address, um, you know, a charitable endeavors, for example, that the athlete cares about, uh-huh. right? How do we deliver more than just an autographed jersey, you know, for Sun Young Men, for example, you know, we've got a, we've got a jersey with his footprint on it, right? Like, Huh. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a riff on, on the autograph, but it's a little bit more personal. So how do we take physical merchandise and uh, and share that with um, with the community? You know, how do we mobilize communities amongst themselves so that they can go see games together or they can watch games virtually together? So there, I think there's a lot of things from a utility perspective. It's not just about getting things. It's about connecting people in ways, um, you know, that they weren't able to before. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Talk to me a little bit about, and you had touched on that you've worked with leagues, obviously, and you did so with Dapper. And I assume on some level, you have to be working with them here. What do they want out of this? Are they trying to drive people back to their stadiums? Are they trying to work with, to to have some incentivization behind it to get them to third-party sponsors? As you kind of see this marketplace develop, what is everyone's goals here? Yes. A, you know, an interesting question. And I'd like to sort of take a step back here and kind of uh, give you a quick overview on what, you know, what's important to us as NFT Star. And, and that way I can sort of answer the question of like, what some of these, you know, organizations and individuals are sort of mo- most interested in, right? So NFT Star is a, a company that at, at the core, we're basically using NFTs to bridge these relationships between athletes and their fans. So it's not necessarily about um, about the NFTs themselves, but it's how do you use NFTs to sort of create these unique experiences? And then, and then the question is, why do we want to create these experiences? So, you know, for example, you know, four types of NFTs that we, that we put out, right? They're, they're very deliberate here. The first is a membership NFT. And so uh, for us, this is a generative PFT type of NFT similar to Board API Club that represents an individual athlete, right? That's sort of your gateway into being, uh, being part of that athlete's tribe. We've got collectible NFTs that we also call narrative NFTs. Those are, um, those are NFTs, and I, and I brought up 30 for 30 earlier, those are NFTs where we can tell the, the sort of story or the journey of the athlete. I think, you know, whether it's Giannis, you know, or, or Neymar or whomever, you know, these athletes have pretty storied, you know, like pretty interesting journeys, right? And I think those are, those are told uh, today, um, you know, very rarely. I mean, we, we, are, we, like a lot of people understand kind of, you know, Giannis's journey from, from, from Greece and, you know, into the NBA and, and, and his hardships growing up. But, you know, I think there's some really interesting stories there that we can tell, you know, uh, you know on behalf of the athletes. The third thing that we do is predictive NFTs. So like every game that I, that I watch with my friends, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, razzing and all of that before the game. People are, you know, we're always talking about essentially like, you know, who's going to win, what the score is going to be. Um, and so predictive NFTs give, give people an opportunity to sort of predict certain things in games and seasons and have those memorialized on the blockchain for bragging rights. And then the third thing uh, that we do are dynamic NFTs. So basically the idea that your NFT can morph and change over time based on performance, um, you know, of the athlete. So those are the four general areas that we, that we look to use NFTs for. 
And, um, you know, athletes care for a couple of reasons. One is they want to be able to tell their stories on their own terms. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's self-explanatory. The, the second thing is, you know, that I always tell, talk to athletes about is that not everyone can necessarily have a brand like Jordan, but everyone should have the opportunity to, to do so. And you may not reach the number of people that Jordan reaches, you know, um, but you should be able to have a micro brand where you can explore things that matter to you with your community because your community cares, right? So whether that's, you know, wanting to start, you know, maybe like a t-shirt, a t-shirt line with some interesting, um, you know, designs that you've worked on with, with people around you, you know, maybe you're a painter and you want to put out some of your artwork to your community, whether you want to mobilize your community for you know, charitable works or whatever, you should be able to create a brand that allows you to sort of like, you know, have an instant audience uh, to experiment with things. And, and, and it's great for the audience because they want exclusive and interesting things from the athletes themselves. Um, you know, and then in terms of like, in terms of, you know, where I think leagues and other people are going, like, I think it's really just about engaging meaningfully with fans and giving them experiences that are brand new, right? And, and if the net effect is that there are more people that show up to games or more people that watch those games on TV, um, that's great. But I think ultimately the goal is to really create this new pathway. Um, and it's not about engagement necessarily. It's about, it's about co-engagement, right? It's about, it's about athletes engaging with fans, fans engaging with, with the athletes and the community engaging with each other. Um, and that's ultimately, I think, what it's about. Um, so we are in a space, as you described this, where we're almost in kind of personal branding 2.0. Um, a lot of what was happening in Athletes Pass were developed by league guidelines or team uh, functions, or they would try to control what was said or thought about the team and that person by proxy because they're wearing the uniform. Um, as you kind of view personal branding when you talk to athletes about this like what's what's important that you you tell them about as they try to get into this space yeah i think the history of sport has evolved right like it used to be completely about the teams you know you've got bobby knight who never wanted to put names on you know backs of jerseys and in you know and everything else and i think over time you know the teams have evolved and i think there's still an important you know um uh, emphasis that you know everyone puts that's really important but i think indiv individuality has continued to grow within the sport separate from teams right so um you know you have people like russell westbrook for example you know who's got a you know pretty uh you know known style yeah. of, of sort of personality and dress and i think i think we're seeing individualism and personality come through um not to the detriment of team but i think in addition to the focus on teams. So we can still focus on, on teams and, you know, teams win championships, right? We can focus on, on teams that people follow and love, but you can also have breakouts around personality. You can have breakouts around, you know, things that matter to individuals, you know, like how can I, as an individual, as an athlete, mobilize the community? And I don't think that necessarily takes away from, uh, from teams. I don't think, that changes the emphasis of teams. Um, I don't think that changes the dynamic of the game, but I do think that, you know, individuality is something that continues to increase in value, both within sport, but also within the internet. And, um, and so the more we can kind of expose that and create pathways for that, 
I think it's going to, it's going to benefit, you know, everyone at large. Yeah. This is a broader conversation. It's kind of off track, but since we're talking about it, I mean, it's interesting. You're a basketball fan. You mentioned the Pistons at the time that we're taping this, the Nets just got swept in the playoffs. That's semi a surprise based on the players that are on the team. Kevin Durant is extremely active, at least on social media and is very forward thinking with a lot of different things that he's been involved in. People look at the failure of the Nets, not as a failure of the organization, but a failure of him and Kyrie Irving, the two stars of the team. So it does kind of lead to this question of, does the name on the front of the jersey, is it mattering less and less and less as we fall into this more individualized type of branding for players and high-level athletes? The sport, the sports don't exist without teams. Um and I think teams win championships if we're talking about basketball at the end of the day, yeah. right? You've got leaders just like anything else and teams win championships. And I think the opportunity for the world of NFTs, I think that exposes the individual. Um, it exposes the things that matter to them. It allows them to sort of like build out a tribe and mobilize that tribe in really interesting ways. And those ways can benefit the team and they can benefit the individual. Um, you know, I don't personally think that, you know, there's an erosion of, or, or, you know, I don't think, you know, anything around the erosion or failure of individuals or teams is tied to, you know, I think that, I think the logo on the front is just as important for the fan yeah. as the logo on the back. And I think for fans specifically, the logo on the front um, has been, a big part of driving um, their relationship with the game. But the name on the back has always been there, right? If I go back to my collecting in the 80s, you know, and the 90s of, 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 of baseball cards and, and, and basketball cards, you know, people were still looking for Jordan rookie cards, right. Larry Johnson you know, rookie cards, you know, and, and whomever else along the way. Um, and I think it's no different today. I just think we live in a world that's so much more connected and people have opinions and, uh, you know, people throw out opinions about teams, about coaches, about back office, about players. And I think at the end of the day, what NFTs give us, and I think what NFT star is really focused on is this idea that the athletes have personalities off the court. They have stories off the court. Um, we want to be able to connect fans with those stories through NFT. We want to, we want to be able to connect fans to the communities and the tribes that those athletes, you know, are, are at the forefront or are the heads of, uh, you know, to be able to give people experiences that they weren't able to have in the past. All right. Last and thing, so, um, yeah. from the, the fan perspective, um, for those who are still listening to things like this and going, I like that. I want to be part of that. I just kind of don't know how, at what part of the educational phase are we still in of how to be involved in this way? I mean, I think generally in the lifespan of NFTs, we're super early right now. Yeah. And so I think there are two types of people out there and two types of, you know, collections out there. One, you know, one is like speculative, you know, art, yeah. right? Like I'm going to go out and buy something because I think it's going to increase in value. There may not be a community associated with it yet, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the other side, you've got something like NFT Star, where you know all of our collections are are authorized and verified, meaning like we work directly with the athletes, and so everything we do is in partnership with the athletes. So 
you know, if you're if you're coming to NFT Star and you're sort of starting your journey around, you know, collecting your favorite athletes and wanting to get involved, you know, in in the things that are like, you know, interesting to them and interesting to you, NFT Star is a great place to start because you're getting something that's sort of authentic and verified. And I think that's really important in the world today when it comes to NFTs because there's so many sort of unauthorized things happening out there because it's very easy for anyone to you know, grab something or create something and then put it on the blockchain yeah. um, and then and then sell it. So one, I think it's important to go someplace to understand that you're getting something authentic and verified. Um, and I think NFC Star provides that because of our relationship with the athletes. Uh, the second thing is, you know, look for, I would say, you know, if you're just starting your journey, look for things where, you know, there are really interesting opportunities to connect with the community and the athletes directly, right? So that is, when you talk about utility, you know, one of the things that, that, that we're doing with our upcoming Young Men's Sun drop is uh, holders of the NFT will be eligible for a, a signed and footprint jersey from Sun, right? And, um, and I think that's a really interesting, you know, opportunity for a lot of fans. They'll be eligible for tickets to Tottenham Hotspur matches. They'll be eligible to watch World Cup games. Uh, virtually with Youngman Sun when he's not on the field. Um, you know, they'll be eligible for, you know, to hear sort of commentary from Luis Sigo, who's a really important, you know, soccer player um, that's, that's now retired and, and kind of hearing his views, um, you know, on the World Cup and the game. So I think, you know, looking at, uh, you know, an organization and, you know, like NFT Star and, and looking at kind of what we do, those are the characteristics that I would suggest somebody who's starting out their journey to look for when they're looking to get into, into NFTs. And, um, you know, and I think just enjoy, enjoy the journey and the process of connecting with, with fans and athletes. Gargan Palrecha is the CEO of NFT star. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. On the next Future Sport Podcast, let's delve into free-to-play gaming as an engagement tool. You name it, we can create it, and we've uh, invested super heavily in our tech stack over the last um, three years, where you know now what we're able to do is spin up a game for a franchise on almost any iteration uh, that they can think of, um, have it live and, and sort of out there with their fans. That's J.B. Mitchell, CEO of Low6, where free-to-play is allowing teams and leagues to remain modern and relevant with their fans. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.